All right, take it away. What would you say is the main thing that you've both learned this year while serving in the Lord's Church? Well, Elder Bednar and I have traveled quite a bit this year. We've been to Argentina and parts in South America. We've been to Japan and Korea. We also just got back from Eastern Europe, uh, Central Europe area, where we visited um, Austria and, let's see, Switzerland, Switzerland, Hungary, Romania, Albania. So I guess what I could say that I have learned this year is that everyone's feeling liberated from not having restrictions with COVID. And to see the saints be able to gather in person has been a wonderful, wonderful thing for me to see. There's just a a spirit that envelops the room and envelops the people as they gather together in person. And to see people who haven't gathered together for a long time, and especially as a stake, they may have gathered together in their wards, but we've seen stakes and the whole countries gather together, which has been great and rewarding. This is not a new lesson in the last year, but it's always uh, a lesson that's reaffirmed. Uh, with all of the travels that we do, we don't go to speak in meetings. We go to find individuals. Now, we do speak in meetings, and we we participate in a lot of other very important activities. But that's always to take us to the place in the world a member of the Quorum of the Twelve needs to be to find a one so that he can minister to and hopefully bless that individual. So that happens everywhere we go all the time. And it's a lesson that you uh, are grateful for and to see it reaffirmed every time we travel to a different location. Can you tell us about the uh, process that you went through as you prepared for your devotional talks? Well, all I can say for mine is that I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. And inspiration for me sometimes comes late. So I'm still praying about a couple of ideas that I've had which one would be the best. So you'll hear it on Sunday night. Uh, I've always been intrigued by the idea that uh, the the people at the time of Samuel the Lamanite said, it is not reasonable to believe that such a being as Christ shall come. I think it's very reasonable. And so the whole purpose of this devotional message and the one I gave at the University of Utah in August is to highlight the fact that uh, there are, you don't, you don't uh, come to know the gospel is true by reason alone, but you should also not think that it's unreasonable. There are many aspects of the gospel, the questions of the soul that it answers. The answers are very reasonable. So we're going to talk about why it's unreasonable to declare that it's unreasonable to think that a being such as Christ shall come. That's unreasonable. If you just consider the translation of the Book of Mormon and what a young man Joseph Smith was at the time, I mean, we're going to be talking to very bright university students, none of whom can write a thank you note without messing it up. We all do that. And to think at his young age that he somehow fabricated or fraudulent, fraudulently uh, presented the Book of Mormon, that's not real. And I'm just 
preparing are just looking for some things um, about to solidify what I did want to say. And I saw in my journal where I had written about some of the things that Joseph Smith did at certain times in his life. And those uh, of you who will read Elder Bednar's transcript, or maybe there's a video, I'm not sure, but read the transcript from his talk at the University of Utah. He talks about how old Joseph Smith was when certain things happened in his life. We've had three sons, and as I go through that list, I just go, oh, my goodness. Joseph truly was an, um, empowered and enabled to do the Lord's work at such a young age. Things that even though we have amazing sons, they're bright and spiritual and all wonderful and good things, they could never have done, and neither could anyone else what Joseph Smith did at his age. Elder Bednar, in your recent talk, you said, We come to know many things through means other than sight, especially spiritual things. And my question for both of you is, how do you recognize that you're being taught by the Holy Ghost? I'll start on this one. I'll give a brief answer, and I think it will be unusual. People worry too much about whether or not they're being influenced by the Holy Ghost. The covenant promise of baptism and confirmation is that we may always have his spirit to be with us. Therefore, unless you're doing something really wrong, you are always being guided. So quit worrying about it. Be good and just go. People want to know before the fact. I, I need to know that I'm doing the right thing. You don't know until you're doing it. So Nephi goes to Jerusalem to obtain the place of brass. He had no idea what to do. He even said, I went not knowing beforehand the things that I should do. It's in the doing that you come to know, not in the sitting and waiting so you can know. It's in doing what is right. And as long as we are not perfect, but striving to live the gospel and honor our covenants to the best of our ability, you're always being guided by the Holy Ghost. So any good thing is the result of Christ. All things denote that there is a God. So, if your thoughts are virtuous, lovely, and a good report, they're being influenced by the Holy Ghost. I think it's interesting, Noah, that that is the number one question asked by congregations, youth, young adults, all over the world. How do I tell the difference between my own emotions and what the Spirit's telling me to do? So, as Elder Bednar said, I can just confirm all good things come from God. And sometimes we have really important decisions to make, and we don't know what to choose. It can be between two good things. Those are the hardest decisions to make. Mm -hmm. When one's a little bit less attractive than another one, then the choices usually are easy to make. But choices between good and good are very hard to make. And we just have to have the faith to choose. And then as we go down the path of the Thing that we've chosen to do, I firmly believe that the Lord won't let us get too far down a path that isn't right. But we will gain information along the way so many times through prayer that will help us to solidify a decision that we're trying to make and have it confirmed eventually by the Holy Ghost. Beautifully said. Thank you. What do you hope that listeners take away from your devotionals? Well, this is really 
an important devotional because of what Elder Bednar is going to talk about. So I hope that they will come prepared to listen, that they'll have an open heart and an open mind, and that they will truly listen to his words. Because I know by the witness of the Spirit that Elder Bednar has been called of God by prophecy and by the laying on of hands by those who have the authority to do so. So I'm excited for them to hear Elder Bednar. Plus, BYU-Idaho has a most important and special place in our hearts. We spent almost eight years there, and it was amazing to see the school go from Ricks College to BYU-Idaho. Elder Bednar followed the advice and the admonition of President Hinckley to make Ricks College into a four-year institution that we now call BYU-Idaho. So to be there during that time and that change and that growth is exciting for us. We feel like we're coming home. So it will be a great, great evening. Noah, my answer will really sound strange. I hope they don't hear one thing that Susan and I say. I hope they come with questions in mind and uh, or concerns that they're wrestling with. And I hope by the power of the Holy Ghost, they are taught and instructed and learn. So I, I don't think they'll learn anything from what we say. But if they come spiritually prepared and they're asking, seeking and knocking, then to each individual will come answers to questions uh, ways to resolve concerns that only God could help them with. So I hope they don't hear too much of what we say and that they hear a great deal of what they're learning by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I did not find that answer strange. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite part about giving talks like these? When they're over. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is... Uh, the, the honest answer is it really is fun. People always ask, is it, is it uh, scary? And the answer is this is uh, what we do. It's not giving a talk. It's trying to teach the gospel, trying to gather all things together in one in Christ. So uh, I find it exhilarating to prepare, to deliver a message, and then hopefully to learn a little bit about what people heard in the message, not what was said, but what did they hear that distinctively came to them by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I get to like interview the devotional speaker here at BYU-Idaho every week. And usually when I ask them about the process that they go through when they prepare, it's usually like step one, panic. And then step two, wait a couple of weeks to start really preparing. And then step three, Write out what you want to talk about, and then step four, realize what the Spirit is teaching you to teach others and talk about. So yeah, it's not so much about what you say, but like you said, it's about what the Spirit teaches to the listeners. That's right. And I know that the students and everyone who comes to the devotional will find Elder Bednar's message very inspiring. I get to see how he develops these ideas and he reads them to me, the different drafts, and and asks if there, there's anything that I would add or could see that could be made better. And I appreciate him asking me those things. And I don't write his talks, definitely, but every once in a while, I'll have an, an inspired um, something that could be added into a message that 
that helps him. So I appreciate him asking my opinion. She's the only one who will tell me the truth. David, this is not making sense. This may make sense to you, but no one else will know what in the world you're talking about. But this is a great talk. It's very polished. <laughs> what is something that you both know now that you wish you had known when you were the same age as the students here at BYUI? Oh, we're so old. It's hard to remember what it was like when we were students at Brigham Young University years ago. But I just wish that students would know that things work out. You fret, you stew, you have questions, you have concerns, you have disappointments, but all of these things work together for your good and they they are character building. Whenever our children would have difficult experiences in their lives, we would always call them character building experiences. And I think every once in a while, one of them would say, I'm tired of character building experiences. But you have the opportunity now to learn, to, to grow, to find your place in so many ways. And I just know that if students at Brigham Young University, Idaho will ask for the spirit to be with them, and if they will move forward in their faith, that all things will work together for their good. They'll know that in the strength of the Lord, they can do all things. Um, uh, if I, I don't think it's possible to know this when you're 20, 21, or 22. But if it were possible, it would be that control is an illusion. I think we all, I'm in control of my life. I'm the captain of my fate. And I'm going to set goals, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to make this happen. Uh, the sooner you learn that you don't want to be the captain of your own fate, you want the Lord uh, to be the one who's helping you achieve what you need to achieve. And you want to do what he would have you do. He won't micromanage your life. But if you honor your covenants and your your real desire is to be a disciple and to follow him, then you will take paths you could not have anticipated. You'll end up in places you couldn't have imagined. It will all be right. And all the worrying, fretting, and uh, commiserating about not knowing and not being sure don't do one bit of good. If you honor your covenants and press forward, then you are yoked to and with the Savior. He's pulling with you, and he ultimately provides the direction that uh, leads to the happy life you hope to have. So he's in control. We should want him to be in control of our lives through our honoring of the covenants that we've made with him and his father. Right on. Who better to write our stories or fates? Well, sometimes people recoil thinking, well, uh, I don't want him to manage my life. He won't manage your life. Uh, but as you, as you are true to what you know about him and the commitments that you've made to and with him, uh, it always works out, like Susan said, far better than you could have ever accomplished on your own. Fantastic. Is there anything else that either of you would like listeners to know? 
Yeah, we love BYU-Idaho. We love the students, the faculty, everyone associated with it, the folks in the community. For us, it is a remarkable blessing to be able to come back whenever we can. So we are excited about this opportunity to come back again. And the simple thing is we love the people, we love the place, and we're eager to be there. And just the goodness of the people, the students, the community, the men and women on campus that that do their part to make BYU-Idaho a great place. Just, it warms our hearts. We A part of our heart is still there. And we're happy to come back and, and share the excitement that we feel with the people on campus. It's going to be great. The lessons we learned in Rexburg uh, from remarkable people and experiences there go with us everywhere all the time. It really has been a defining marker and a shaping in our lives that could not have been done in any other way or any other place. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Noah, thank you. It's fun to meet you. Hope we get to see you and shake hands with you on Saturday or Sunday.